Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and this is Brian, my co-host. You guys know what we do here. So today we have a special episode for you, and for all my audio listeners, I know we got quite a few audio listeners, please be a video watcher today. Today is going to be a day you want a video, because we have a lot of visual stuff coming at you. Yes, it's going to be what? Yes, we do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really excited about this, uh, mainly because, okay, so a few things. Well, today we're doing a rebuttal to uh, Pastor Nathan Rager at KJVTV on Twitter. Also, the what is it, the, fundamental, the Thundering Fundamentalist? Fundamentalist Thunder. Fundamentalist Thunder podcast. Um, so, yeah, we're doing a rebuttal there. And so background for those of you who don't follow on Twitter and don't follow us on social media, which if you don't, what are you doing? You miss a lot of great – Brian works very hard on his memes. He does a very great job. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we do a good job of trolling. We sometimes will post our debates. And one of the things that happened recently, for those of you guys who do not know, we are friends with uh, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, the three hosts there, Brian, Nathan, and JC. Those guys, uh, of course, they've had Nathan Rager on their channel. And they've discussed various things about it. But recently, things got a little more ugly than it should have. That's so, not statement. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they got upset that I think that the RFP guys called, his name is Luke, uh, on the Thunder podcast, if you will. Uh, they called him, uh, that he said he looked like Forrest Gump or something like that. Which, by the way, if you look like somebody, at least just own it. I just think it's funny. Like my buddy Garrett, he looks like uh, Ed Sheeran, even though he hates it when I say that. But it is what it is. But they said that and then what what happened is that Pastor Rager uh, instantly attacked the wives. You can go on, you can see the Twitter, but he said basically uh, to the effect of, hey, I've seen your wives in skinny jeans. They're not so skinny. Uh, tell them to basically, what, remove their whorish ways and I'll teach them how to dress like a real Christian or something along that nature. It was terrible. Yeah. So I tweeted back a few things. One of them involved a cheeseburger. Um, now, just so you guys are aware, that's not normally my style. Uh, many of you guys know I do not do, normally do ad hominem attacks. I don't believe attacking someone's uh, body or character in any way helps the discussion or argument. But I will say that the reason why I did it was because uh, I've been around fundies for a long time. Sometimes you have to learn to swing back a little bit, but also just to expose the hypocrisy of it all. So the point is here is that um, even though it's definitely not my style, so if you saw that on there, you're like, oh, wow, the church split just did that. I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> Brian is probably like, Will, what are you doing? But the thing is, is that my, the point, if you are not built like a Greek god, perhaps those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Okay, that's the point. You know, yeah, it's just a good start. You know, honestly, I don't care about people's body types. I don't care about what you're built like. I don't. uh, You know, I always joke around that Brian has a dad bod and I got a dad bod starter kit. Just had my baby, so I think it's time I get ahead of that game. But you will look just like me. Yeah, just you're you're the you're me in a couple (laughs) years, except you're a ginger. Um, But there's plenty of factors out there. But out of the mouth does the heart speak? And Pastor Rager exposed, I think, his heart a little bit here. And here's the thing: I'd rather know someone's heart is in tune with God than their precise weight. And I think if you're attacking people's wives, you're attacking women now because you don't like their husbands, you've crossed a boundary. Um, You know, I... I would never do that. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, and especially as men, we're supposed to protect women. We're supposed to encourage women. We're supposed to be the, you know, we're, God made us to protect women mm-hmm. and to lead women and attacking women who have nothing to do with the situation and calling them fat is unnecessary. So, plus all their wives aren't fat. JC's wife literally has had six kids and she looks great. So like, I don't know where this is coming from, but the point is here is that we're going to do, go to their first episode 
of the recover the fundamentalist thunder podcast. Man, too many fundamentalists and people's <laughs> names here. It's throwing me off. So we're gonna we're gonna go through that. We're gonna hop on in. We're going to rebuttal this episode. Because without <laughs> Jesus, even Reese's can't go with pizzas. Ha! Um, I just I just have all these Christian yeah, rhymes. So just, good, just, you know, so it's many years in there. Group. You need to be a little more breathy, though. Yes, here's a, because it's mostly Christian bands mimicking secular bands, and it has like a niche submarket for for. I play this game on, on the radio called uh, Is It a Christian? Ra it's just called Christian Radio Car Game. That's what we call it. And when my wife and I we travel to a, a new state, terrible, or we're, we're in a rental car, we hit scan on the radio, and I only have three seconds to guess <laughs> if it's a Christian radio station. I have like a ninety six percent success. <laughs> That's understandable. Because if they have that brassy voice, yeah, or the girls why. who kind of sound like Lord, but not really, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just like there is a sound, That's and right. it's crappy, and it's trying to use sometimes a marketing gimmick. Brought to you by Independent Baptist Church of Tampa Bay. BaptistTampaBay.com. Hey, this is Pastor Nathan R. Rager with Independent Baptist Church in Port Ritchie, Florida. You can find us online at BaptistTampaBay.com. And I'm here for the debut of our podcast. And sitting in with me today is um, Brother Luke from Independent Baptist Church, Tampa Bay. Yeah, good to be here with him because you see, uh, I like to get outside perspectives on things. I like to bounce ideas off people. Uh, that's how we stay grounded. We're accountable to each other. We're bouncing ideas off of each other. You know, one of the things that that's an abomination that God hates is a prideful look. Right. You know, so uh, we're always a blessing and encouragement to each other here. And you're kind of getting an insight on the things that we do. You know, when you're not watching the preaching mm -hmm. is the way we fellowship with each other. So right. Right. Uh, we're just letting you in on what we do in the church and uh, showing it to the world. And uh, we're going to be getting more brethren involved in these things as time goes on. Mm -hmm. So uh, today, uh, I wanted to start off with a subject, which is really uh, what brought us into the fundamental movement, you might say. What made us want to be fundamentalists? And there is a severe lacking in modern-day evangelical Christianity, even though we didn't know what it was. We all, everybody in this church felt it, and, and we could sense it, and we just knew that it was lacking. Mm -hmm. And... We're going to need a refill. <laughs> yeah, I need more. <sighs> All right, I got a new beer. That's better. Moving on. Okay, that was a long intro. So, uh, so a few things. He starts off with Crowder, which I find very odd that he uses Stephen Crowder at the very beginning, especially for your debut podcast. Are you, are you piggybacking? I don't know. But uh, he's using him to talk about contemporary Christian music here on out, probably referred to as CCM. And he wants to talk, uh, Pastor Rachel wants to kind of flesh that out. Also, uh, the, the other thing that kind of sticks out to me is that old-time religion, like... 
First off, that is the world's longest intro to any podcast. I'm over there. The first time I ever li like listened in, I was like, dude, yeah. when does the substance begin? It never does. But um, it does encompass their, their podcast, though, because it really is their whole focus is essentially this tradition of some obscure religion traditions that they had in the 50s, 40s. I don't know. They're, something that's older than now. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is, is that with that intro, a couple things that kind of cracked me up is that uh, in episode two of the podcast, Pastor Rager goes, man, independent fundamental Baptist, we, we do all the hymns faster than everybody else. We do upbeat stuff. We're, we're, we do, you know, we sing it more fun than everyone else. And then me and Stacy. Was Stacey, that upbeat? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is that considered upbeat? Because <laughs> I hate to know what downbeat is. Uh, no, um, uh, Stacy, uh, your wife and I talked about that yesterday, who were both raised Baptist. And we're both like, are you kidding? We sing things slowly. Uh, but but anyway, you sing too fast. That's worldly. And then also I, what bothers me about that. First off, that song never mentions Jesus. It doesn't mention God. It doesn't mention the cross. It doesn't mention sanctification, justification or anything like that. But what bothers me is like, what is the old time religion? Are you talking about 1940s, 1920s, 1870? Are we talking about 1700s? Are we talking about the day of Acts where most of the converts were Jewish? Like define your terms here, man. <laughs> We're going to see a lot of different commentary on this podcast about clothing, and you can tell that's like their big thing. And I think we're talking about old-time religion. I think it really encompasses the music aspect, which they're going to talk a lot about CCM, as well as just the clothes you wear, which is going to be just ripe with hypocrisy. It's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I do want to mention the fact that this is going to be a long podcast. Uh, we might even split this up in a couple episodes. We don't know yet how we're doing that. And that is just because we like to take people in context. Uh, as much as I wanted to just get all these clips, I was asking IFP Preacher clips about that, and he was, but everyone agreed we should do it in context. So we will be pressing pause and play throughout this. So bear with us. Enjoy. So there's uh, someone who put everything in a perfect format for us. His name is Stephen Crowder. And as a prefix, we don't endorse Stephen Crowder. Uh, I don't recommend you watch his podcast because he can be a real potty mouth. Yes. And uh, also... It, it what was that? Wait, wait, wait. We don't endorse Stephen Crowder, but we're going to use him? Well, apparently he's a potty mouth. So He has a potty mouth? <laughs> So where else have I heard, seen someone who used a potty mouth bad word? Hmm, maybe it was. It's like Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 2. He was in Athens talking to all these puffed up, uh, pompous jack. Whoa! Uh-oh. <laughs> Whoa, language, man. What are you doing? Now, <laughs> full disclosure, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, pro profanity, profane words are largely cultural. We're going to do a video on that eventually. But he literally, in, in episode two, also bashes Jeff Durbin for using the SH word in a sermon. Meanwhile, you're with the RFP guys, and you're allowed to say Jack Donkeys. Is he saved? Possibly. Uh, he, now, he does subscribe to sort of a lead, red letter Christianity, where it focuses on the words of Jesus. You know, only which uh, that actually is becoming a more and more popular heresy now because, well, like Beth Moore, the, the feminist false prophetess woman preacher with the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, you know, the, the golden cash cow of Bashan that, that they're publishing house, 
you know, she subscribes to a red letter onlyism. You know that her justification for being a woman creature is she says that the words of Jesus had friction with the words of Paul, and that she has to side with the words of Jesus. So she goes looking for anything she can find in the red letters only, and says that invalidates everything in the Bible that she doesn't like. And I don't think Stephen Crowder knows enough about the Bible to consciously know uh, the insidious reasons for red letter only. Because uh, how many churches actually teach anybody anything anyway nowadays? When does Stephen Crowder ever say he adheres to red letter only onlyism? Yeah, I researched this quite a bit because we are Crowder subscribers. And yeah, not just YouTube players. subscribers. We pay for the Blaze membership. I have his hand etched a mug. I should have had that here with us too. Should have had that. Uh, <laughs> Poof. There it is. Okay. So, uh, but if you're going to accuse somebody of that big of a heresy that you subscribe to red letter onlyism, then you bring in this other random lady who has nothing to do with the topic at hand, you at least better have video evidence of him doing that. In fact, Crowder has oftentimes referenced, I know the Old Testament, he's referenced Jesus, and you're saying he doesn't know the Bible. And actually, if you know anything about Crowder, he actually does. He, he doesn't, that's not his biggest focus. He did a really good uh, debate with um, a Catholic you know, and really got into a lot of theology and doctrine. He was bringing a lot of verses. I, I've never heard anyone say that Crowder's a red-letter-only Christian except for this podcast right here. And I, don't, I couldn't find any evidence of it at all. The only thing that I could find is that there is an artist called the Crowder who made a song called Red Letters. And I think they might be conflating that. And they do actually have a clip from, from Crowder with the Red Letter song later in this podcast. But I, I, I've never heard Crowder say that. Yeah. We've no. seen almost all of his stuff. So. Exactly. <laughs> also, to point out Rager's hypocrisy once again, and there's gonna be, this is going to be a running theme throughout this entire podcast. His, one of the other hypocr hypocritical things he says is that right here he says, I don't know if he's saved or not. I don't know if he knows Jesus, essentially. I don't know if he's saved. And then in his second episode, so you're saying it's a, he might be saved. But in the second episode of his podcast, he says, if you don't hold the King James onlyism, you don't hold these other various random things that he has, that you, he can't call your brother. I'm sorry, I can't call your brother. Which, if you can't call your brother, that means you're not saved. Because if you, they're saved, they're your brother. If they're not saved, they're not a brother. You don't get to be saved and not a brother. That's not how this works. Yeah. Uh, so uh, right here is, is a complete contradicting line of his. It's the whole, oh, I like him because he's a conservative and libertarian speaker. So I want to be more buddy-buddy with him. But these other people who don't subscribe to King James Onlyism and my own random opinions and standards, I can't call them brother because I'm too prideful to admit it. That's really essentially what this is. Also, shameless plug, we have a whole series on King James Onlyism if you want to check that shameless, out. Shameless, absolute shameless plug. Please check that out because Richard we Nathan please please watch that too yeah absolutely so anyway uh, moving on right so but basically I just want to clarify here too that I consider Steven Crowder even if he's not a brother in Christ I consider him a friend of Christianity because he would be the first to defend our right to free speech to freedom of assembly uh, he would be the first to defend children against perverts uh, against propaganda in the government schools, against big governments, uh, and I, I would just put it to you this way. He, as far as any Bible-believing church goes, would be the target audience for a new convert because he would be what would be considered low-hanging fruit. You know, something that is ripe to harvest. He's you know, low -hanging if fruit. someone came along, you know, that he would probably be a good kind of convert. It's people like this. You know, so that being said, I thought it was really important because we want to be a blessing, we want to be a help, and I think that you're going to see with Stephen Crowder some problems that he sees in modern evangelical Christianity that are things that independent fundamental Baptists actually get right, 
and that instead of you know being ashamed of it, instead of trying to run away from it, we should embrace our distinctives and amplify our distinctives because as you're going to see here in this coming podcast, that he's going to show what we're doing right and that, that we need to stick to the old paths in order to reach people in this generation, not become more worldly. We don't need to recover from fundamentalism. We need to repent toward God. Amen. All right. So in, in this segment, he starts off talking about the... Con okay. Uh, stick to the old paths. Define old paths. <laughs> that verse that they use for old paths anyway is taken completely out of context. Now, here's the thing. You and I both agree the fact that he is a friend of Christianity because he's a Christian. Okay. Who, who lives his principles, actually. Uh, in fact, he's made, he was viscerally made fun of because he saved himself from marriage. You remember that when he was real yeah. young. Um, he saved it. He didn't have sex until he was married. And, you know, they, he got mocked for it viciously. Yeah. Um, also, we probably, so we, with, with uh, Pastor Rage here, throw, throw a bone when necessary. Uh, we probably agree uh, when it comes to things like fighting against progressive Christianity, for uh, fighting against this hyper-liberalism, post-modernism, uh, intersectionality, all these different things that, you know, uh, completely fly in the face of the gospel, right? I mean, yeah. I'd agree there. Oh, yeah. I'll throw them a bone. But the thing is, is uh, here's my question. What's the difference between a standards-based Christianity on, in the, from the 1950s compared to uh, standards-based uh, culture of the 21st century. Now, if you're basing it on a certain culture of old paths, and you're considering old past, like 1930s, 20s, 40s, 50s, whatever, what's the difference between uh, holding it to the culture now? This is why I say, uh, you and I have talked about this before, uh, IFB is the exact same thing as progressive Christianity, just with a different color. It really is. And if you watch our, our Goddess Grey Rebuttal, it's very similar in ideas because uh, she, just like Nathan, is, I think, picking arbitrary standards that are not based in the Bible and, and then trying to enforce those standards on other people. And yeah. that's it's extrapolating. Arbitrary. Yeah, it's extrapolating from the text what you want from it, also known as isogening, which we'll get into later, uh, that he talks about. Uh, you know, it's taking something from the text. So you, what you're doing is you're essentially saying, if you don't subscribe to these things that are extra biblical and standards, you're not. I can't consider you a real Christian or a really good person. And he does the same exact thing. And so uh, IFB, fundamentalism, legalism, all these things are progressive Christianity. And it's funny how much they hate each other, yet they're the exact same stripe. Exactly the so-called alleged conversion of Kanye West, and then segues off into the weirdness of contemporary Christian music. We'll keep letting this play, but we also have a video on Kanye's conversion. Go check it out. useless, worldly nature of liberal evangelical fund centers that aren't helping anybody. So, hey, uh, should we just go ahead and get into it? Absolutely. Uh, I want to pause and just, okay. I like the phrase, evangelical fund centers. <laughs> <laughs> There's some truth to that. There's probably yeah. some truth to that. <laughs> we are going to find some common ground here with, with Pastor Rager. And I think it's, uh, we agree that there are some churches that have, have kind of gone away from the Bible, have gone away from Scripture. Including IFB. Yeah, and it's really just for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and let's be honest, that's what IFB is too. When I was there, it was all about getting people to say, you know, hey man, and it was all about, oh, getting all those people to react, 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 emotionally manipulate, emotionally manipulate, get them riled up. And though you might be speaking in harsher terms in progressive Christianity, it's still an emotional manipulation no matter which way you package it. The other, <laughs> the other thing is that it drives me nuts when people say the alleged conversion of so-and-so, when you don't have any real reason to say that it's alleged. That was my whole thing with the Kanye video. Go check it out if you want. It's just this whole, that was back when I was, we were doing this in my living room yeah. but it's like 
You can't say that. You don't possess the book of life. You can't say who knows God and who doesn't. I can only go by your fruit and by your words. And to be fair, Kanye so far hasn't done anything that's so insane to me that is like, oh, that's definitely unchristian. He definitely revokes his, the spirit here. It's, you know, uh, I'll take him at his word until he gives me reason to otherwise. Uh, you know, I think that's where grace comes in a little bit. And then if somebody goes against uh, God's word, you know, you rebuke him, which is what we're doing now. <laughs> God is powerful enough to save even celebrities. Did they know that? All so. right, let's go. I've been canceled before there was cancel culture. Because without <laughs> Jesus, even Reese's can't go with pizzas. Ha! Um, I just, I just have all these Christian yeah, rhymes. So just, good. It's just, you know, it's so it's many years in this group. You need to be a little more breathy, <laughs> though. Thank you. Yes. Here's a <laughs> all right. So what you saw there was Stephen Crowder, and he was discussing Kanye West. Yeah with his little, like, Jesus merchandise that he was selling for totally overinflated prices, right? I've actually went to school with some people that had that same exact short shirt. So, I mean, that's pretty interesting. Uh, What's wrong with selling merchandise? thought we were about free like markets. Kanye West, but, I mean, hey, it's, it's... When they say Jesus is king, do you think they could actually tell you where the throne is and where it's going to be uh, after uh, the tribulation? Absolutely, absolutely not. No. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's gonna bug me if I don't say something. People buy the King James Bible. People make profit off the King James Bible. So before you sit there bashing him for his way overpriced shirts that say Jesus is king, maybe you should, you know, check out what you purchase things for as well. It's just a, Yeah, I, people do things that they don't know exactly what it's about, right? But they're trying to do something and they're interested in it. Uh, far be it for us to discourage future Christians because of a shirt they bought online or that they don't know all the the Baptist distinctives or the doctrine that you hold to yet. Also, it's your, also it's your money. So if you choose to buy a hoodie, it's, it's your money. Buy, buy a hoodie that says Jesus King, support the cause if you want. Is that not, I mean, is, you bought 1611 uh, King KJV hats. Is not not the same exact thing? How much did you pay for those? You know, it's, again, if we're talking about who, what are people buying, that are God related and now you're making a profit off of God. This is complete hypocrisy again. Uh, it, but it, this goes to show if you watch my legalism video where I was half dead because I was half asleep from having no sleep at all because of my baby in the hospital, that whole thing there, like, yeah, I mentioned that. I was like, they, they, the legalism, the way it works, the way the IFB works is that they, they say that these are the standards, but then they change it when it's what is convenient for them. Uh, even at Crown College, they had a whole bookshop, and they made plenty of money because every time Pastor Sexton wrote a book, guess what you were doing? He was commanding that all the student body purchase his book. So, uh, again, you bought 1611 King James hats. I rest my case there. And what, there's something that, outside that he mentioned there. Well, yeah, they get to it in just a second. But the thing that kind of bugs me is, is you're, you're essentially distilling someone's Christianity into the type of shirt they bought. Like... I can't, I can't even come up with a more superficial way of judging someone than that. So I think if that's, that's your, I don't know, your threshold for judging someone's Christianity is, oh, they bought a Kanye shirt that says Jesus is king. It says Jesus is king. It could say something more terrible, or it could be skinny jeans, as you're going to get into later. I'm currently... <laughs> come on. <laughs> skinny so, jeans. Uh, look at that. His <laughs> pants width is so much smaller than it should be. <laughs> Because I'm fat, okay? I've put on pounds since oh, quarantine. Man. All right, come on, fat man. Let's listen to more. <laughs> they're, they're, trying, they're trying to be a representative of Christ and the way they wear things. They're mostly Pentecostals, Charismatics. They don't understand what's going on here. 
Um, I think that's that's a big factor in CCM. They don't understand what's going on. Right, so much right. I could but comment then, then there. there was the, the co-host got in there and was like, well, that's not quite breathy enough. Basing someone's now, I understanding of the Bible yeah, based I, on their denomination or where the king, where, do they know where the, where Jesus, the king is or where it's going to be? Goodness. Like, yeah, a lot of people know he's in heaven right now. Yeah. A lot of people know Jesus is coming back. That's like a joke even online, the second coming of Christ. People make you know, slightly blasphemous jokes about that anyway. Yeah, I asked what's going on, and I'm kind of like, what is going on? What are we talking about right now? Yeah, like, this is like not very substantive conversation. But uh, anyways, let's see if we get a little. We're in for the long haul. <laughs> I had this perspective. Now, I didn't really understand the whole CCM thing, but when I was in churches that played it, I could never feel God there because... I, I, I would always feel like angry and I didn't know why. It just upset me. Feelings based? And, That's and not what I you accuse them of, of emotional like manipulation and now you trying so hard to be cool, but it just didn't work. Like what's your Yeah, so uh, we've talked a little bit about cognitive dissonance on the channel before, and this is an indicator of one. If you are listening to something or experiencing something or whatever, you're at a location and you're just angry for no reason, you're like, I'm just upset or I have a stomach ache or something isn't sitting right, that's, that's a, a physical reaction to, to something confronting your, your assumptions in your mind. And I think he was having a cognitive dissonance moment and he doesn't realize it and he's using that as proof for some kind of biblical standard that, oh, I, I was angry because what the Holy Spirit was angry because you were listening to Christian music. I, this whole standard that they're going to try to push push with contemporary Christian music just doesn't make any sense. Also, isn't it making your emotions the, the king and authority here, not the word of God? Like you had an emotional reaction. Maybe you should check your emotional status. Like, I don't know how to tell you. It sounds like to me you're emotionally unstable. Like, if you go to worship service and you just get angry because whatever the people are singing, uh, if it's not blasphemous, I don't know what, what who spat in your beans, but... Yeah, this kind of gets to the point where we bring up a lot is is there's so much disunity in the American Christian church because we're picking all these little things just get upset with people over. Meanwhile, atheism is on the rise. So you're doing good church. Yeah, let's keep just talking about how this something this is something so productive. Is just you don't like the music style. Yeah. What's your uh was it Luke, the other guy? Yeah, yeah, this is funny. On this too. This is good. Yeah, so I've had two experiences with CCM in person. Only two. Mm. That's good. And and think I, two different churches. That's good. And I only went to both of them one time. So the first one was a Southern Baptist Convention church over in uh, Newport Ritchie. First Baptist of Newport Ritchie. I went Name and names. My skinny jeans, everything back when I was worldly. I don't think I was saved personally, but that's a different discussion. I went in there with my Define worldly. I'm going to get ahead of the curb right now. Check out my separation from the world video. Define worldly, because worldly is such an arbitrary phase, phrase that they use, and they know what it means. When it's, when what they mean is whatever I don't like that seems kind of cool in the culture that people like in the culture, that's worldly. Unless I like it, like having a podcast or using YouTube, oh, I like that, so that's not worldly. But you know what? Wearing a particular style of jeans, that's worldly. Drives me nuts. Also, uh, old boy, you know, Luke here, he says uh, that he's only had two CCM experiences. Better make a podcast then. <laughs> yeah, I've had two CCM music experiences, therefore I should make a podcast about my experience, all my experience, my years of experience. Uh, it kills me. So, also he's condemning uh, his own clothes. Oh, oh yeah, no, we're going to get to that here in a minute. Yeah, let's let him speak a little bit further, but there's a great point here that we're going to bring up. Skinny jeans, my Tommy Hilfiger polo, my... 
these same exact shoes actually, which are some Sperry's, but um, the first thing my Uncle Leslie did when he brought me in was take me up to the front row of my skinny jeans. There's two seats still there. Front row seats all the contemporary Christian music, okay? And I, I, it was like kind of like, if you were there while they were playing the music, you kind of like, you stood up, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone stands up. Like I didn't want to stand up. My experience is that it's super awkward. Do people not stand up in IFB churches? Uh, apparently that's something that you do that's worldly. <laughs> I just want to point out that he, he says he doesn't think he was saved because he was wearing skinny jeans and, and Tommy, Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger, but he's still wearing the same shoes that he was wearing then. So maybe he just proved his own point against himself that it's not the clothing that makes a Christian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Tommy Hill, is Tom wearing a Tommy Hilfiger sweater is bad? Like they make similar looking sweaters that you could get at Walmart. Like just, you know, higher quality or some of them don't even look different. You're just paying a really steep price for something that's so simple. Uh, this is a Kelvin Klein sweater I, you know, that I've had for years. I don't, yeah. So I guess your Sperry shoes aren't worldly unless they are worldly. I don't know if the North Face is worldly. This isn't a plug, but... I just accidentally happened to wear this sweatshirt. You know, but see, it's years. not flashy, and it's like an olive green. So they think that that is a timeless style, see? So therefore, it's not. Well, thank you. I am timeless. I didn't come for a concert. Per, like I didn't come for this. I didn't come for a performance. I really did not come for this. I came to right. be closer to God. Some people are singing. Some people are kind of like singing. Some people are clapping, but they don't want to clap. It's really super awkward. That's what... Christian contemporary music is. We do have an issue with concert church. So yeah. We can have some common ground here. We don't agree that church should all just be this this emotional thing that's just about putting on a performance. This is this is something that's supposed to be a essentially a, an experience with God. You're you're experiencing with your mind. You're experiencing with your heart. You're singing and rejoicing because you're so excited to to have a relationship with the Savior. Right, but also, a thing to mention here is the fact that, yes, I agree that it shouldn't be all about performance, right? This perf Ironically, performance-based Christianity or church service, i.e. IFB. Because here's the thing, the IFB puts on a concert too. There's just a different style of music, so then it's suddenly okay. When they do it, no one's allowed to express. You have to sit there in awe of, of the worship. In fact, uh, there's actually a very specific kind of code a lot of these places go by. You have to dress a certain way, act a certain way on stage when you're singing. Oh, and it's really? supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be very reverent and quiet. You go up there, you do your thing, you act very proper. <laughs> and then uh, you go back down to your seat after you just get done doing the me. It's just, it's just the way it works. Uh, so they, and that's what one of the things I started having an issue with is like, they would also create a, a concert. You know, I remember uh, plenty of times when I'd play violin, I would have to perform in front of the music director to make sure I performed up to a particular standard of proficiency before they would allow me to perform in front of everyone. And when I was at Crown, um, you know this, I was actually one of the top orchestras in Michigan in high school. And I was always considered a pretty good violinist, not amazing, but pretty good. And I had, and Bob's better than most of the students there because there's not many violinists. And it's like, I went there and I had to do it like three times in front of him because he didn't, like he would just try to pick it apart before he felt it was good enough for me to be able to play in front of people. So this whole idea of they do concerts, but we don't get out of here. You know, you might not in your church, but it's definitely prevalent in a lot of churches, including the IFB. And can we agree that hymns are also there to trigger an emotional response? Yeah, like the old rugged cross. Why do you think it's in the key that it is? It's got that like those nice little do 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 do. Like it's meant to 
pull you in. Like, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Music is expressive. Expressive of what? Your emotions. If you're singing about the, the crucifixion, torture, beating, betrayal of Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior, from by, he was betrayed by his best friend, denied by his best friends, uh, his other best friends, and abandoned by them, and then endures horrible torture and death. And that doesn't get you slightly emotional. They did that for you so you don't have to take the punishment you rightfully deserve, and that never affects you emotionally. Yeah. You might have a problem. Go get yourself checked out or try repenting again because good grief. Well, the last thing he says, too, is he's talking about it. It was kind of awkward for him. He was like, oh, it's just kind of awkward. I was like, maybe the awkward response was just because you were used to different music. Yeah. You know, is, is awkwardness now a response or a standard for God or sinful music? Like, I've, I've been in, in congregations before where they're singing a new hymn or something that Maybe they're singing a really old one that no one knows, and it gets really awkward because people are kind of singing quietly, like, I don't really know this song. But that's not a standard for it being a biblical song. In fact, I've had... To be in church or not. Yeah, I had people come to my traditional church growing up, and they were uncomfortable because they went to Assembly of God. I went to an Assembly of God church, and I had no idea what to do because people are clapping and expressing themselves, uh, and there's nothing really wrong. They weren't doing anything... Worldly, S sexual, or worldly. It's yeah, just, you know, worldly. different. Uh, <laughs> Brian, I'm going to jump. I'm going to hit you with a chair. <laughs> um, so, the you know, that, anyway, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, if sometimes if you're out of your element, you feel awkward. That doesn't necessarily mean it's sinful. I, I'll tell anybody I'm usually more comfortable in a slightly downplayed worship service, and that's because that's what I've always been around. That's why I'm most comfortable with. But now I help out at a church that has a more contemporary service and what whatever. I don't. Yeah. It's Moxinix for and me. And you're going to get into an accusation. I think we cut him halfway through where he's talking about that these people think that CCM music is cool because they grew up in that echo chamber. It's like, okay, do you think hymns are cool because you grew up in that echo chamber? Yeah, I'm like, great, <laughs> cool. Now, now do hymns. <laughs> do hymns now. Oh, man, here we go. More fun. But that's CCM, right? Like, that's the best way I could describe it. At a non-denominational church, same exact way, same exact atmosphere, same weirdness, like awkwardness you can sense from other people. You, it's like a thing you can kind of tell, but you don't really, you can't really put your finger on it, but it's not right. So basically, it's sort of like, the only way you think it's like worldly cool is if you grew up thinking it was like worldly cool. Yes. Well, yes in that echo yes. chamber. Yes, if you went to vacation Bible school your entire life and you're bred into it, I completely understand. Did you see the Southern Baptist uh, vacation Bible school this year? Did like an imitation of the village people? <laughs> yeah, you showed me. It, oh. it was really weird. They have a gimmick going on too for, it's like their theme is being, it's like a detective theme. Like that's our mm. theme for this year is the detective. It's a, it's like a, a crime you have to solve. Just really worldly weird things that don't tie into Christianity. What? What? Go. <laughs> it's worldly <laughs> to solve crimes? Are you kidding me? Well, you know those those ancient Jews just just let the crimes go. <laughs> yeah, come on. Like I just sorry, that just like it's, what are you talking about? Yes, most VBSs have a theme and the theme is like a like this fun little play on words like, "Oh, we're going to be detectives to discover the clues." Ooh, what what clues? Let's talk about the clues of Jesus's death, death, burial and resurrection. Oh, what clues? Oh, he was found by women. The empty tomb was found by women. That's clue number 1 that it was true. And like all these things. Like, get out of here. Like theme are bad now like oh good grief. detectives are satanic now we know no yeah it's I never sorry all the detectives that might watch you know i was really trying not to be too cheeky on this but i think it's just going to be a natural thing because it just gets so absurd we're naturally um, sarcastic so sorry for a little bit too punchy here but 
this is just kind of, I don't know, triggering a little bit of our, our sarcastic response yeah, mechanism. Again, so the Southern Baptist Convention, who cares? I've got, seen independent fundamental Baptist churches do themes with theirs. In fact, we did a clue theme, like, you know, the board game clue. We did a clue theme. Like, is that worldly? Like, it's worldly garbage. How, how's, that's no more worldly than saying a car. Like, hey, we have a car in the church. Because we use cars, people are familiar with this aspect. Like you can use, like I've just heard plenty of preachers use a car or a dog or their kids or anything else as a sermon illustration. What's the difference here? It's a, it's an illustration. Yeah. That's that's the point. So if it's wrong to use these themes and these uh, pictures to get a point, allegories, whatever, then it's the same for you over here. I don't. How's that worldly garbage? And again, define worldly. What is worldly? Cultural? By the way, just for those of you who are wondering what it means to be separate from the world is to be uh, separate from the sinful nature of the world. And the sinful nature of the world is what God specifically describes as sin, not opinions, not standards, not any arbitrary lines besides God. So when he's saying being separate from the world, it's the sinful nature of the world, not just the cultural relevant thing. Because by the way, if that was the case, then Paul should not have done half of what he did because he did a lot of cultural relevant stuff. Continue. All right, now we're about ready to get into some clothes stuff, which you think you might think this podcast is, a, is about TCM, but it's actually about clothing. So, anyways, <laughs> enjoy. Not even in the slightest. Not even the slightest. And you mentioned the skinny jeans. Now, there's something to be said for, like, timeless styles, I think. For example, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll always preach in a white shirt and suspenders, suit jackets usually, depending on the climate. Like, it, I'll say this. I might look very outdated doing this today, but when I look back at like a short haircut, a beard, and dress clothes in 50 years, I'll be able to look back and go like, okay, that was kind of normal. Like, I'm not going to go back like our parents' generation would have done looking at their like bell Okay. Oh. Okay, so he's already mentioned bell-bottom jeans, so we'll, we'll boots with the fur. Hair, or not even like I look back at like photos of me at 10 years old having a mullet like the wrestlers did, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, and all right, okay. I got, I got, I got to say it. I, okay. <laughs> also define skinny jeans. Your wife brought this up as a great point. Are you talking about jeans that are a little too tight around the thigh, or are you talking about jeans that are tapered at the bottom? Because jeans that are tapered at the bottom are actually quite useful in the winter here in Michigan uh, because it allows snow not to get up my bootleg. Uh, so, again, I don't understand how that's an issue. What's the uh, Also, uh, when he's like, oh, wearing suit and a dress shirt and uh, suspenders, you know, these things are timeless. Here, are we going to really pretend there's not a different style of suits? Yeah, go ahead and just... If you want to pause the video for a second and just go Google suits from the 1920s, suits from the 1910s, they're different than what they look now. Lapel Some of them actually had really narrow ankles. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Weird, right? So it's like, again, you're dealing with wide wide lapels, narrower lapels, wider wider pant legs, tighter pant legs. You're Three buttons, four buttons, two buttons. Two buttons, I think, is the style now, like a narrow lapel. But it's it, it, we're going to really pretend that that isn't a thing. Again, you're factually wrong. These are these are just fa like I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm not gonna play it so nice because I'm all about unifying the body through truth, not unifying the body through pandering. And uh, this this is fact. Like I'm sorry, things aren't timeless because you get to say they're timeless. Time things are timeless because they are they merit timelessness, such as Bach and Mozart. Those things are timeless. <laughs> Those things are timeless. And guess what? There's a reason why they're timeless because they're geniuses. And guess what? Fun fact with Bach and Mozart, they were kicked out of church after church after church after church 
after church, after church, because they suddenly weren't doing Gregorian chants. They weren't doing the normal things. They, they added multiple instruments. They added harmonies. They added various runs and different types of uh, bass notes and rhythms and things along that nature. Sounds worldly. Uh, yeah. And you know what's funny is that that style is emulated in IFB churches because that's what hymns and stuff came from was them. But they were accused of being worldly back in their day with their music and their rhythms and stuff. And now here they are, IFB saying these new people are evil because of their rhythms and their styles and all this stuff. It's stupid, it's petty, it's ignorant, and it's historically inaccurate, and I'm tired of pretending that it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I'm sorry, the idea of timeless when we're talking about clothing is just, is just a reference to current cultural norms. You're saying that as culture changes, that clothing style is still considered culturally re relevant. So we're still essentially setting a, a standard and saying it's biblical, but then applying it to or referencing our existing culture as somehow the yeah. standard. We're saying it's, it's timeless European culture because most of our style comes from, you know, like, you, you know, uh, medieval Europe and onwards. But really, it, like, again, are robes timeless now because Jesus wore robes again? These So are, if you really wanted to be biblical, shouldn't you be wearing a tunic? I just th this sort of thing is nonsensical. I just don't have the patience for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's why they want to change that. They want to make that unusual to wear a white shirt and tie, etc. They want to make that unusual. Look at look at How's that unusual. Why do they want to? No one wants to it's make all a, a, a run. It's all run sod by sodomites, and you can tell. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know. If you no. if, and then once you know, it's kind of disturbing. You go to a public high school and check it out, and you're gonna look around and be like, what's going on here? What's what's causing all this? You know what's causing all this? Woo! And, and it's Rick the sodomites. Sir. It's the it's the reprobate. It's the, it's the it's the sodomites that are just wicked, mm -hmm. wicked sodomites. And, and did you see that church that just started up a couple months ago that they literally ripped off Forever Twenty One in their logos and just like flipped <laughs> some numbers and words around, like their logos, their colors, their fonts. And even their name was just ripped off from Forever 21. And yep. they're running at a middle school, already running 200 people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. This is my favorite part right here. One, I was really having fun counting how many times I said sodomite there in 20 seconds. It, again, it was you're five. <laughs> like, there's a secret, uh, this alleged secret uh, plan and conspiracy to get rid of, to make white dress shirts abnormal really you go to the most hipster place and find a white shirt it's a white shirt everyone's got them okay so our clothing companies and some of the people that run them unchristian sure i think you're going to find that in pretty much every single big corporation in the entire world but i, I don't know just accuse them of being sodomites it's just I, it's just this is like a parody to me of what People made fun of Christians about, like, growing up, I'd hear this, but, well, no one actually says that, right? Behold. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that's so funny. People actually thought Nathan Rager was a parody until they realized he was being serious. So I think it's, that's funny. Also, the, they, they say sodomites for literally everything in the IFB, like, right here, right there. You just saw, like, sodomite this, sodomite that. What? Because they don't want to wear white shirts all the time? No, white shirts are just boring. Like, I, like, it's not like people want to always wear white shirts, although I wear white shirts a lot because, honestly, you wear, wear it under anything. It looks sharp. But uh, that's because of the nature of white, not because a white shirt is somehow more holy. Um, white is just neutral. But anyway, um, also our, uh, then, I don't know, just saying sodomite all the time, I, that's the verse I asked you about. 
I'll let you comment on Forever 21 and then the idea of stealing logos. Yes. Uh, I'll let you do that. I'm going to pull up a verse. So this is the first of, I think, twice in the video that they will essentially mock churches or places for being worldly because they have a logo that's similar to something that is in popular culture. So here is the Forever 21 logo. Not a lot to it. It's all caps letters with a contrasting color. Some of the backgrounds are yellow that I found, some are gray, some are white with black letters. But it's, I don't even know what font it is, but it's just like a normal aerial type font. It is actually about as boring as a, font, as, as a logo can get. We are just capital letters. Yeah. How is that worldly? And so, if a so you're telling me a church had all capital letters? But speaking of, what did you see that they stole their logo? Wait, are we talking about, tell me, Brian, are we talking about the uh, worldly church or are we talking about Fundamental Thunder podcasts? So here's the Fundamental Thunder podcast logo, which you saw at the beginning of the podcast on the top left. And I was like, man, I have seen that before. Where did I see that? And unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember WCW Wrestling. And sure enough, that is the exact logo from WCW, which, if I recall, was quite a, a worldly organization where they had people running around showing their thighs and, I don't know, not, wearing, not wearing suits. Yeah. Ties. Oh, yeah. And aren't, like, scandally clad women known to be at such events of, like, WWF wrestling and a WCW wrestling? Yeah. That's, so, yeah, if you're going to sit there, and, again, don't throw stones when you live in glass houses. If you're going to yell at them for stealing a worldly logo and then you're going to turn around and steal a logo, maybe maybe you shouldn't do a podcast. Maybe this isn't your thing. Uh, this, also, uh, if, I wanted to talk about this real quick, and then I want to talk about sod sodomites and then move on. But this here is, is, is something that's funny because, first off, they say all about Bible-based Christianity. Well, what, for, what does the Bible say about stealing? Okay? <laughs> Just, thou shalt, say it with me now, thou shalt not steal. That's okay? the King James. That's the King James. I said thou. Uh, my pronouns, by the way, are thine, uh, thine and thou's. Uh, thy, thine, and thou. That is my pronouns. Uh, <laughs> so I demand to be called such. And I, instead of mister, I want to be called master. I will not call you master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Progressive Christianity jab there. But anyway, but this, when you, we're talking about uh, this also, uh, when they're saying sodomites, do you know what the Bible says is the sin of, the, of your sister Sodom, as it puts it? So here's the thing, because there's this one homosexual, this group of homosexual men who are actually wanting to know them biblically, so to speak, and anyone in the house that sounded like for that matter, they just wanted to get it on. Uh, people instantly go, that's sodomy. Well, guess what? The Bible actually makes clear what sodomy was. What, what, I mean, what was, uh, not sodomy, but it, what the sin of Sodom ultimately was. And it wasn't their adultery, oddly enough. Uh, which, right here, uh, da, 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 Ezekiel 16, 49, make sure I pull it up in the King James. Behold, this was the iniquity, that means sin. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Hmm. It doesn't mention homosexuality in there. That's annoying, isn't it? Now, Romans chapter 1 does and other places, but uh, not sodomy. Not, not in, when talk about Sodom. So, <laughs> moving forward. Uh, there was something else I wanted to mention, but I don't remember what it was. So, when it comes to me, I'll get to it. I'll remember it. Oh, I do remember. Pause. <laughs> so here's the thing. 
Nor, I know we're being really punchy here, but he, what, one of the things that the IFB, similar to the Jehovah's Witnesses, always had going for it, which is they were not allowed to be online or be out in the public sphere like that. You know, it was because uh, IFB called it worldly, and I don't really know what the JWs was, if it was worldliness or was this idea of just not engaging in such things. I don't know. I think it was worldly. Probably. Um, anyway, so the thing is, is that before, IFB was never online this much in force, not this blatant. So when you come forward with the, with the IFB ideals into the real world, into the world, not the worldly world, like the real reality, without your twisted biblical history, without your view of your, your really, really bad view of things, your inconsistencies and all that, when you bring that to the public sphere, you're going to get torn apart. And that is exactly what made me get out of the IFB is when I started looking into the stuff, it didn't stand up. And I realized that I had to, it was either God was wrong or I was wrong. And let me just say, uh, I think uh, I'm more likely to be wrong than God. Anyhow, so when you're bringing this stuff into the public sphere, you're, you can't get mad when you get critiqued. So let's move on. I wouldn't let my kids around this. Like no, seriously, no, no, you would not let your kids around this. And if you're a parent, I would not recommend you let your kid in any of these kinds of churches. Don't don't put them in public education for one, because right. all these public education kids, they go to these kinds of churches. This is what they're brought into. People that are brought up in Christian schooling, et cetera, et cetera, use I mean, in the independent Baptist crowd, you get really, really influential people out of this that are pretty solid in their doctrine. Mm-hmm. When you're going to these other churches like Bethel Church over in, in Tennessee that, that was by Tony Hudson's church, literally the Beats logo. And Dre Beats, the gangster rapper who put marijuana logos on his CDs, right? Yes, yes, yes. Dre. Dre. The guy who, the guy who disgraced the world with Eminem. So if there's people that are higher up in that church and they decide for that to be the church logo, and your kid wants to be closer to God or you want your child to be closer to God or you want to be closer to God, why would you go somewhere where they're trying to be closer to the world? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Here we go again with the logo. So now here's another church logo, and they're literally saying that the higher-ups of that church purposely picked a worldly logo because they didn't want to teach doctrine to their kids and they wanted them to be more worldly. Come on. I can't think of a more arbitrary thing. Like, yep, they don't teach doctrine because they have a certain logo. Like, you know I don't think you guys want to teach doctrine because you picked a worldly logo. <gasps> At least ours is original. Yeah. We paid a graphic artist for this. Good friend of mine, by the way. I'd be happy to give you his number. Uh, he he's, does fantastic work, and he does do things on the side, and he's amazing, so you should check it out. But, uh, yeah, that's about as arbitrary as it gets. Also, uh, did he mention public schools? I've, yeah, he was saying I've, be careful public schools, and we agree. Yeah, public schools are indoctrination camps. Everyone knows this. That's the entire educational sphere. Like, uh, but to equate, but to equate that, like the logo and the church's doctrine, what they teach with public school is like a complete false equivocation. It doesn't stand up. It doesn't work. There is no lines that you can draw there between a logo and even, uh, and maybe some church doctrine if they completely get woke, but that's not what this is. If, if the church or the school has doctrine issues, address the doctrine issues. Don't address their logo. That's the dumbest thing attack on that church or Christian school or whatever you're talking about. Because, come on, it's if we're supposed to be reproving, rebuking, 
talking about someone's logo, it isn't. It's, it's not false that. doctrine. We're only bringing up your logo because you're making such a big deal about it, and it's so ironic the hypocrisy that you're pushing because you are using a stolen logo from a worldly organization called the WCW. <laughs> yeah, it, again, it's it, we're called the rebuke uh, with, if, from the Bible, and this just shows the fact that uh, you know the IFB has an empty gun. It, it's, you know, we, we talk, you know, it's, it really is. It's like you think of the largest 50 caliber rifle you can see and they're walking with this giant gun thinking that they are the baddest dudes in town. But the thing has completely got an empty chamber and no bullets in it because it is all false. And uh, I'm sorry, lies and false teachings don't have any power here. No, no. not only are they ripping off the logos, they're ripping off the music too, which is CCM. Right, right. In fact, the thing that they don't really acknowledge is... Tell me how you're ripping off uh, Mozart with your old school hymns. Your worldly person. music industry. You know, Universal Music Group and Sony own the all the record labels that put out CCM music. So the same people giving you Lady Gaga, the same people giving you Jay-Z and Beyonce, the same people giving you uh, Eminem, the same people giving you Drake, you know, and all that junk straight out of hell, are the same people giving you Toby Mac and I could only imagine and uh, Britney Spears Daigle or whatever her name is. I mean, just <laughs> straight out of hell. And, and the thing is, people... Okay. <laughs> Time for another hypocrisy point. So, yes, there are big movie producers or music producers that own some of these Christian music titles. Completely agree. Um, That's not, not all. We don't agree. That's just fact. Yeah, it, it happens. Okay. okay. But it's not all of them either. It's not every single CCM title. But look, you and us are both on YouTube. Why did we choose YouTube? Well, we choose YouTube because it's a large platform. It has a lot of resources. They have servers like crazy. It's a means to an end. They have a massive distribution channel, which we are using to reach people. Does that sound at all like Christian music producers? Huh. Come on, guys. Yeah. And, uh, and also, YouTube is like the ones who censor Crowder. Yeah. <laughs> they censor your conservative thought all the time. Facebook, Twitter, they do this. And you're using their platform, and that's okay. But you, but they can't use a, a publisher that also publishes otherworldly stuff. It's a, it was it's like I you know I, I say this all the time. I can't when I buy something from Walmart. I have no control over what they do with my money once it's in their hands. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with this. I have no control over what what YouTube does. They are YouTube. That's that's their call. Do I disagree? Absolutely. Do I think there's a difference between publisher and platform? Absolutely. But again, it's it's creating arbitrary lines and then uh, being completely hypocritical, which is what the IFB always does. So, Pastor Rager, you're not going to believe this, but I did about 16 and a half seconds of research on this. Um, so I checked. And on YouTube, you can find Lady Gaga, Beyonce, wherever you said her name, Beyonce, Jay Z, Eminem, Drake. We found every one of those artists on YouTube. The same ones that you're deriding these Christian music producers from using these major music companies. There's also WAP. Okay. <laughs> like, and you want? To, oh goodness! Get off YouTube, you worldly person. What are you doing, heretic? Goodness. It's almost like this is an arbitrary standard. Oh, you mean the Bible doesn't talk about this? I try so hard to be worldly about this. Like, 
I'm a, I'm a little bit of a husky fella. But there's a fella, he's a Southern Baptist convention. He's a husky fella, then why are you calling we want other people's wives fat? Size. And he was up there, he had like one of these fiberglass pulpits, uh -huh. and which by the way, a pulpit's made out of wood, that's Bible right there. There's one biblical mention of the word pulpit, and it's wood, okay? You can like that, lump that, jump that, take that across the street and dump it. You better, be like, you better like it because that's Bible right there. No, it's not Bible. This is the, it takes two seconds of research to figure out what this is. Okay. Pulpit, Nehemiah 8.4a. We're just, I'm just going to stick with the beginning of it. You can read all the things with the hush uh, in, right in the, this slide here in front of you. Uh, Nehemiah 8.4 in the KJV says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. <sighs> First off, basic hermeneutics or Bible interpretation, because he doesn't like the fancy words apparently, as he told the RFP guys. Proper hermeneutics means you have to ask who, what, when, where, and why, okay? This here is descriptive, not prescriptive. There's a difference. It's not saying he and Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden plat, uh, stood on a, upon a pulpit of wood, which you have to make all your pulpits of wood and preach the word from. It's not a command. And even so, I'm pretty sure that they don't follow half of the, uh, half of the Old Testament, because uh, I know most IFB views on the Old Testament. Uh, but it says, he stood out upon it. It's descriptive. It's describing the, the, the wood. It's not saying you have to have that of wood. It says he just built one. Uh, also, it is not a pulpit as what they think. He's talking about this fiberglass pulpit that the guy had. Uh, First off, they didn't have fiberglass back then. I hate to break it to you. They don't. Uh, but, you know, also, their robes were made of various different materials. Do you, are you wearing mixed fabrics and everything else? Where are you drawing your arbitrary lines, sir, because it's getting awfully arbitrary fast? Or is it just the things that you like you preach on as harsh truths and things you don't like you make excuses for? Uh, also, the Hebrew word here is migdal, and this it means an elevated stage pulpit, tower, raised bed. And it means an elevated stage, because guess what? Ezra was speaking, so he stood up on a platform, not using a pulpit that you put a book on, but a platform you stand on. So the other, so that's why the ESV says, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. You're taking this and you're running with it, and it's bad, and you should feel bad. So no, I'm not walking across the street and dumping it. I'm walking across the street and dumping on your terrible exegesis. This is a perfect example of cherry-picking verses to push your own opinion on others. This is the textbook legalism. And, okay, he had a fiberglass pulpit. Was it on a wooden stage? Because it probably was still okay with Nehemiah. Yeah. Have you ever preached outside on, the, on, on grass? Like, I have. Uh, like, is, is that wrong now? Because, again, descriptive versus prescriptive. The IFB gets us confused all the time. Uh, so real quick, uh, we're already running along on this episode already, and we're barely through this episode. So I think it'd be smart if we uh, ended this now, and we're going to start a part two. And we're just going to keep this so that way it's digestible. That way you don't have to watch three hours of this. That way you can watch episode after episode. Does that sound good to you, Brian? That sounds good. They like to talk, and well... And we like to talk, plus we like to be thorough. That's one of the biggest things here is we, and I'm sorry if I come off really passionate. It's the fact that I was raised in this and it gets to the point where it's so disgustingly wrong that it needs to be rebuked in strong terms. Um, Brian was raised CRC, which has its own issues. We did have a wooden pulpit though. 
So I do have a wooden pulpit. There, I did. I did. I don't use it anymore because <laughs> I have stepped down. If you guys know of a church in West Michigan looking for someone, let me know. Um, but we have spent a lot of time addressing progressive Christianity and looking at the other spectrum of this. So we just want to be fair. We think all these, all these different. Um, subjective standards that Christians are pushing out there is gross interpretation disunity in the church. We're going to call it out. We want to stand on truth. We want to stand on Bible. You better be able to back up your Bible verses if you're going to use those in public. Yep, exactly. And you better be able to uh, properly interpret that for us. So anyway, my name is Will. This is Brian. This has been part one of our Nathan Rager rebuke or response or whatever this is. Thank you guys. Come in for part two. It's going to be a lot of fun.